This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So tell me if you can relate. You have way too many choices for what you can practice to improve as a jazz musician. But what you wish is you could find that one path that is suited for you to improve. You don't have enough time to practice, right? Just not enough time in the day. So what can we do to find the most important things you can practice in order to improve quicker that is specific to you? And you just don't feel like you have a path forward. You wish that there was a path that was designated specifically for you, not for the masses, that would work. Well, in today's episode, I'm going to talk about my five filters for jazz improv freedom so that you can discover for yourself a path forward of the least resistance to becoming a better jazz musician. Let's do this thing. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here from Learn Jazz Standards, where we help musicians just like you learn how to play jazz, all while shortening the learning curve, no matter what instrument you play. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Thanks to all of our regular listeners. Appreciate you guys. You make this thing go round. And welcome. This is your very first time listening. And if this is your very first time listening, this is actually a great episode to get introduced to the podcast, because a lot of the stuff that we talk about here at Learn Jazz Standards is not just surface level stuff, like, hey, here's a great lick you can play or here's a new music theory trick like yes we talk about that stuff and sure that stuff is helpful and important but we like to go deeper to try to get us better results faster in our jazz playing and so a lot of what we talk about here is practicing but practicing is a big loaded concept right because we don't have enough time to practice there's too many things to practice So we need to figure out a path forward. And so in comes my five filters that I'm going to help you walk through this process so that by the time you're done listening to this episode, you can have a good idea of what you should go out, not only practicing today or tomorrow, but for months and possibly even years to come. So I'm excited to go into this episode. This talk today is based off of a workshop I did for our Learn Jazz Live Virtual Summit, which we did at the beginning of this year in 2021. Uh, we're we're going to be doing Learn Jazz Live 2022, the beginning of 2022. So keep on a lookout for that. Tickets aren't for sale yet, but I'm going to give uh, a little bit of that talk here um, and go over that. And I think you're going to really love it. Now, before we do that, of course, let's thank our sponsor, which is our very own LJS Inner Circle membership. Now, obviously, there is a ton of things to practice, but what if you had an easy button? Like, what if you had all the materials that you need to succeed handed to you? What if you had actual practice routines, programs, and courses? And what if you had 
live Q&As where you could get answers to your questions that you have, right? Well, that's what our LGS Inner Circle membership is all about. It's making the process easier for you. And you won't just be by yourself. You'll be joining a community of a bunch of other like-minded musicians playing all sorts of instruments, supporting, motivating, and practicing together. It's a lot of fun. And if you thought about doing it, but you've just been sitting on the sidelines, there's no better time than now. You don't even have to practice uh, for hours and hours each week, even just 30 minutes uh, at a time can do the trick. So join us over at ljsinnercircle.com. Learn some more about the membership, and then we'd love to have you join us, ljsinnercircle.com. All right, let's jump right into the five filters for jazz improv freedom. Okay, so when I talk about the five filters, I'm talking about a hierarchy of decision-making. Okay, so in other words, again, there's so much we can practice and there's little time to practice. Like I think most of us, and I know most of you, don't have as much practice time as you want to have and also probably don't have as much practice time as you think that you need. Uh, spoiler alert, you don't need nearly as much practice time as you think. But again, we're not going to really focus too much on that today. Rather, just we're going to focus on the decision making process. So imagine that there's everything in the world you possibly could practice out there. And what we're going to do is we're going to start filtering it out down to the most effective things that you can practice, but not just in general, but the most effective things that you can practice. So let's do it. So first, let's do the very first filter. This is the top of the funnel, if you will. And this is called our master goal filter. Okay. Our master goal filter. And there are two parts to our master goal filter. Number one is to establish your why. Establish your why. So, why is it that you are trying to play jazz or become a better improviser in the first place? Uh, is it because you want to play uh, a gigs with certain musicians in your local area? Is it because you went to a jazz jam session and you thought, hey, I'd love to be able to play jazz? Is it because you're an intermediate jazz player and you're just frustrated with the progress and you want to get up to the next level? Or maybe you're a beginner and you're just starting and you just love the style of jazz and you have a certain jazz hero in mind. You know, what is your why? Because if you don't really... Uh, have a why to why you want to put in the effort of learning how to play jazz, then it's going to be difficult for us to filter down what you should actually be working on. Because having that why behind you is what's going to help motivate you and propel you forward when the going gets tough. And, you know, we all wish that learning any style of music, doesn't have to be just jazz, could be a situation where you just download it to your brain and now all of a sudden you can play amazing jazz solos and bass lines and comping patterns. But that's just not the case. Like It does take work and it does take effort and anybody who tells you otherwise is lying to you. So you have to really have something behind it that is driving you forward, even if that's just simply because it makes you happy and identifying why it makes you happy to listen to jazz and to play jazz and to play your instrument. Okay. So that's the first part of your master goal filter. 
And then the second part of your master goal filter is to establish your musical mountain top. Okay, so this is the heart of the master goal. Establish your musical mountain top, right? So this is where you do dream big. Like what would your ideal end game be for your jazz playing? Would it be just simply to get to the jam session and play along and feel confident? Would it be to, you know, get a weekly gig in your local town? Would it be to get called by another musician to have you play because you're that good? Um, Maybe it would just be something where it isn't so public at all, right? It's more internal. Like you just, you know, want to have this certain feeling practicing or playing by yourself. I mean, you really want to think hard about it. Like what very specifically is your musical mountaintop? Because a lot of us, and I call this the musical mountaintop, because a lot of us are are doing this jazz thing like we're climbing up a rock face. And, you know, we're we're climbing to we're climbing and it's difficult, right? And there's certain parts that are more difficult than others. But, you know, we're on this cliff face trying to climb up this mountain, but we don't actually even know what uh, what the top is, right? So what's motivating us to get to the top if we don't actually know what that is, right? So we have to know what that is because if we don't know what the musical mountaintop is, our master goal, we're not going to be able to start filtering out all the things that we should be focusing on because depending on what your master goal is, it could drastically change what we're going to start practicing, right? Like for one person, it could be um, very focused on improvising, right? You know, on the other hand, for somebody else, maybe your goal is, you know, yeah, you want to improvise a little, but really you just want to be a great comper for singers, right? That's what you want to do. Like you, uh, you have someone in your life who's a great singer and you just want to comp and be the best comper. And that's just what gives you a lot of fulfillment. You know, maybe you just want to play solo guitar or solo piano or whatever it happens to be, right? That's going to change the kinds of things that you should be focusing on and working on. Okay, so that's filter number one. And by the way, you can follow along here and pause the episode if you need and give yourself a moment to think about that and write down what is your why and then what is your musical mountaintop? What is your master goal? Uh, That's filter number one. So already there's a bunch of things we could practice and slowly we're going to start filtering them out. And this is going to make more and more sense as we go along. Now, uh, one other thing that I should say about master goals is master goals are something specific that you want to achieve. I've mentioned that already, but they're also something measurable. Okay. It has to be measurable. Like if you can't measure your progress towards it, it's probably not a good goal because you're never going to know if you're getting closer to reaching it. And also it needs to be something that makes you slightly uncomfortable, right? I mean, if it's not uncomfortable for you to reach, then you're probably already there or it's going to be something you achieve next week. And then you're going to not really be practicing anymore because you you've already made it, right? And then lastly, it needs to be something realistic, right? Uh, Yet still requiring effort because, I mean, you could easily say, well, I want to be like John, the next John Coltrane and I want to tour the world and maybe that is possible for you, but for the vast majority of, of us, that's not possible. So something realistic yet still requiring effort or like, oh yes, I want to, I want to tour with Nora Jones. Like maybe you can do that, but maybe not. Right. <laughs> um, so you want to think about that. 
Okay, so that's our master goal filter. Let's go to the second filter. That second filter is filtering through the three pillars of jazz improvisation. Now, if you have been following me for a while, you probably heard of the three pillars of jazz improvisation before. So if this is review, excellent. Let's keep going through this. But if this is brand new, this is actually really, really pivotal to what we teach here at Learn Jazz Standards. Because our big thing at Learn Jazz Standards is really based around what's called the 80-20 rule, or uh, some may know it as the Pareto principle, which basically says that 80% of the results are actually coming from 20% of the efforts, right? So actually 20% of the things that you're practicing are giving you the most results, and the other 80% are actually not giving you the best results. So perhaps you could reduce the, the time you spend doing those things, or you could eliminate them altogether, right? So that's the Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule. And it's not like a, a hard and fast science, but it's kind of a general rule, right? So um, when we're talking about this, we're talking in the case of jazz, of course, we're talking about the three pillars of improvisation. Now, these are the things that I have and my team has, and as well as many of my colleagues who are amazing jazz musicians, have determined like these are the things that if that really all jazz musicians, no matter what instrument you play, should be focusing on if you want to improve as a jazz musician. So let's go over the three pillars. Pillar number one is technique. Okay. Pillar number one is technique. So everybody needs to be working on some kind of technique on their instrument because we don't want technical ability on our instrument to hold us back from improvising, from comping, from doing the things that we need to do as jazz musicians. So there's two different kinds of technique. One is instrument specific technique. So for trumpet players and saxophone players, that could be long tones. For um, guitar players and bass players, that could be fretboard mastery, saxophone players, tonguing, drummers, it could be rudiments, uh, or left-hand, right-hand coordination, right? There's just certain things on our instruments that are unique to our different instruments that we need to practice and work on, like piano players, left and right-hand coordination, right? That's, that's something that piano players really have to deal with, the comping and the playing with their right hand. So we need to focus on doing certain things that will help us achieve those results, okay? Now, there's another kind of technique, though, that really goes for all musicians. It doesn't matter what instrument you play, and I call this jazz technique. So that would be chord tones, being able to play chord tones and connect them together, being able to identify and play guide tones, that's the thirds and sevenths of the chords, being able to play patterns, like patterns is really helpful because in jazz improv, we want to be able to, you know, jump to, you know, intervals of fourths and fifths and sevenths even without having to flinch, right? So that's something you have to work out on your instrument. So patterns are something I recommend for all instruments. And yeah, I do also recommend basic scales because basic scales are good uh, platforms. They're good tools for helping us discover our instrument better. And yes, we can use scales as well to help us understand the note choices for uh, chords, uh, for playing over chords as well. Okay, so that's called jazz technique. So that's pillar number one is we need to make sure that we're filtering through this idea that something that we're practicing on a regular basis has to do with either instrument-specific technique or jazz technique, okay? Uh, moving on, 
Let's go to pillar number two, and that is repertoire. And this is the most powerful pillar, and that would be jazz standards, learning jazz standards. And I would say without without a doubt, uh, the most important pillar, because if you want to learn how to play jazz, you got to learn jazz standards. you got to learn the repertoire. Even if you want to compose your own tunes later on or even now, knowing the harmony of jazz standards and being able to improvise over it is essential if you want to play jazz gigs, if you want to play jam sessions. I mean, maybe that sounds obvious, but that's important. So make sure you're always learning jazz standards, okay? And then pillar number three is jazz language, okay? Jazz language. So we have to learn the musical language that jazz musicians speak, learning sentences, learning paragraphs, uh, learning entire pages of solos, for example, to help us out. And so there is... Uh, a few different parts of language. So the first part is is learning. So learning the language. And that would be like going to a Charlie Parker solo and learning how he improvises over a 2-5-1 chord progression. Um, that's what I would call micro jazz language. Okay, so learning a little lick. Now, macro jazz language could be like, hey, let's check out this Hank Mobley solo on a B-flat blues. How does he approach the entire solo or even a few choruses of a solo that's called micro jazz language so this is learning from other great jazz musicians um by ears always a great idea but the most important part to me is memorizing the second kind of jazz language is creating it so this is you creating your own jazz language this is super important a lot of people forget to do this but it's critical and we always recommend in our inner circle membership for our members is to spend some time actually composing your own jazz solos or composing your own jazz licks. Because after you've learned language, how can you make that musical information your own? So you need to give yourself the opportunity, your brain, the time to imagine what you would want to play and download the information that's up there in your conscious and subconscious to some actual musical language that is unique to you. Okay, so we have learning jazz language and we have creating jazz language. So to review what the three pillars are, technique, jazz repertoire, and jazz language. Okay, so we've already filtered through our master goal. We know what our musical mountaintop is. We know what our why is. And then we're filtering everything that came after the master goal down into our three pillars, technique, jazz repertoire, and jazz language. So if you want to improve as a jazz musician quickly, those are the three things that you need to filter down through, those three pillars. Okay, so let's go through step three. And step three is really going to be uh, honing directly in to that second pillar, which was jazz standards. So filter number three is to filter through jazz standards okay filter through jazz standards now uh, uh someone who i respect quite a bit one of my favorite jazz guitar players of all time uh, is peter bernstein and i took a lesson with peter years ago and he i asked him hey peter like how did you become so great like i mean i know it's a dumb question but how did you do this like you know what were you working on what were you practicing and the answer he gave me was brent just learn tunes. I let the tunes teach me how to play. Every lesson that you want to learn is in the tunes, okay? So 
this is filtering it down even further. And now you might be confused here a little bit. You might be like, well, Brent, I thought there were three pillars of jazz improvisation and one of them was jazz standards. So why are we now filtering it through just one? So let me explain that. What I want you to do is I want you to imagine a pizza. Okay. I'm a huge pizza fan. <laughs> like I love pizza. Best pizza in the world to me is Joe's Pizza, Carmine Street, New York City. Um, so that's, I, I love pizza. And it's hard for me not to have pizza at least once a week, right? It, it is, it is just my thing. I love pizza and steak, but that's, uh, that's another thing altogether. Um, so let's imagine a pizza really quick, cheesy, beautiful, wonderful. Uh, let's say there's, you know, it's a pepperoni pizza. There's some pepperoni on there. What I like to think is the jazz standards are like the crust. It's like the dough at the bottom. Okay. It's the jazz standard. And then the cheese is like the technique, right? And then the pepperoni, that's the jazz language. Okay. So bear with me here. So the jazz standard is holding, it is the vehicle for you to learn jazz language, jazz licks, jazz solos, creating your own jazz solos. And it's also the vehicle for you to practice technique. Remember we talked about jazz specific technique, like chord tones, like guide tones. Even instrument specific technique can be practiced over top of jazz standards. So rather than just practicing your scales by themselves, why not practice your scales in the context of a jazz standard, playing the scales over the jazz standard, right? Or what would happen is if you practice your long tones playing whole notes or even longer than that over top of the form of a jazz standard, right? You can think of all kinds of creative ways to even do, or of course, like piano players, like you can learn your chords but why don't you start working on chords and voicings and voice leading over top of a jazz standard? Use a jazz standard as the filter, as the crust that holds the toppings, holds the cheese, the technique, holds the jazz language, the pepperoni. That way you're simplifying things even further so that everything is filtered onto that jazz standard. That is what you're focusing on, right? Um, that's something that we do all the time in our inner circle membership with our jazz standards club. So our jazz standards club is one component of our membership where we learn just one new jazz standard a month. And we use that jazz standard to practice technique, guide tones, scale maps, uh, approach tone maps, uh, core tone maps. And we use it to learn jazz language. We learn an etude over top of the jazz standard and then we all encourage each other to compose our solos and to improvise solos and record ourselves doing it and giving each other feedback, okay? So we use the jazz standard as the basis of everything that we do. Okay, so now we have three filters so far. We have our master goal filter, that's at the very top. We have our three pillars of jazz improvisation, and then we filter it down even further to jazz standards, right? Everything should be based off of learning jazz standards. Okay, so let's go to the filter number four. And now this one is uh, really important. It's easy to dismiss this one as not important, but it is. And that is to process through your fun filter. Okay, I have that in quotes, is to filter through your fun filter. All right, now uh, in episode... 159 of this podcast, I had special guest uh, Rodney Brim 
who's a psychologist, and he was talking about how we learn so much better when we're having fun, right? We learn so much more effectively when we're having fun. If we're not having fun, we don't retain information as well. When we're having fun, when we make a task, even if it's a, a difficult task, fun for ourselves, then automatically we're going to learn better, right? And that's what we want to do. We want to be efficient here. We don't want to make this a, a chore or else it's just not going to be worth our time. We're going to be wasting our time. So define your fun filter. Like what makes some of the, these things fun for you when you're improving? So the first thing to think about with your fun filter is the what, okay? The what. So what jazz standards do you like, Right. Why would you learn jazz standards you don't like, right? Unless you absolutely have to, right? For like a gig or something. Why would you be learning jazz standards you absolutely don't like or don't connect with? Like, I mean, you're probably not going to learn that as effectively as you would like. I mean, I've, I learned 100 jazz standards in one year once. And guess how many of those do I actually remember? Not 100, right? Because I didn't connect or I didn't love those jazz standards or I was learning them too quickly to really fall in love with them. So what? Learn jazz standards that you do like. Learn solos that you like. Learn licks that you want to learn. Ooh, I heard that uh, that Red Garland thing that he did. I love that. I'm going to learn that. Learn exercises that you have fun playing, right? You know, uh, learn exciting concepts that you want to try. Like, sure, like, hey, if you connect with music theory a lot, and you want to learn some melodic minor application over over uh, different chords, by all means, do that if that is something that you consider to be fun, right? Okay, so that's the what for defining your fun filter. What is fun for you? The how is another side of it. So how can you make it that those things fun? So uh, is it funner for you to play with backing tracks, right? You know, sometimes jazz teachers, they're so... They're so rigid, right? Oh, you got to just only practice with a metronome. Um, you know, you don't, you know, backing tracks, they're not helping you or practice with other people only, you know, all sorts of things that are just complete nonsense. Like, no, is playing with a backing track fulfilling and fun for you? Then practice with backing tracks. Um, is it funner for you to practice with a slowdowner, right? Like amazing slowdowner or transcribe? Because if you're trying to learn how to play a solo or a lick and it's going by too fast, then it's frustrating because you can't get all the notes and it's not as much fun. Well, what if you just slowed it down so that you could hear every note a lot clearer? There you go. That's going to be funner for you. Maybe just simply practicing slowly is fun for you, right? <laughs> like Playing really fast tempos is not fun for you. Practice slower. You can always speed it up gradually. You know, let's make it fun for yourself. Um, here's a big one with other people. It is always funner to practice or play with other people. So in other words, community. That's something that we do in our LGS Inner Circle membership that pretty much everybody who's engaged in the community there will tell you is that it is so much funner when you record yourself and you share it with everybody else and way more motivating. That's fun to do rather than just sitting alone in a hole in your practice room playing for yourself and your dog, right? So with other people it could be fun. Uh, with a fun new piece of gear, right? <laughs> right? So maybe maybe buying a new guitar pedal is going to be fun for you. Maybe getting a new mouthpiece for you, that's going to make it fun. 
um, you know, by all means, getting a new instrument, getting a new amp, getting uh, a new piece of software to help you do this or that. Like, get something fu- like a fun new piece of gear that would make it fun for you. Like, some people like look down on that. Well, it's not about the gear. Well, it's not. But is it going to make it fun for you to engage in the process if you're being a gearhead at the same time? Do it. Now, one thing that I love to do is I love to celebrate wins, right? Now, for me, I mentioned earlier, I love steak. I'm a big steak fan. Like, uh, I have like a sous vide machine. I like really take care to make a great sear on my steak. I'm big into that. So for me, if I learn a new jazz standard, why don't I just reward myself with a steak dinner? Fill in your blank, right? You know, your ve- like you know your vegan burger, whatever. Um, so like, you know, pick for you, what, what is something that's, that's a, that's, that you could celebrate, right? Make it fun for you. Like, you know what? I'm going to go out to my favorite restaurant after I learn this solo, right? Or I mean, maybe that's, maybe food isn't your thing. It could be something completely different. Maybe you're going to buy that new piece of gear after you accomplish some of your musical goals, right? So make it fun, find ways and think of ways to make it fun for you to practice. Okay. So now let's go back to where we started. We started with our master goal filter. So we're filtering through our master goal. Then we're filtering through the three pillars. Now we're filtering through the jazz standard. And then we're filtering through our fun filter. Okay. So that's four filters. We have one more filter to go here. And that filter is your practice strategy. Filter through your practice strategy. This is massive. This is massive, massive, massive. And it's the biggest focus, again, that we have here at Learn Jazz Standards. And it's a huge focus in our Inner Circle membership for sure. Practice strategy. What's the difference between going on YouTube and watching a billion YouTube tutorials on a bunch of random things and following a practice plan and strategy? The big difference is that you're actually making progress in a step-by-step fashion towards a goal when you have a strategy. If you don't have a strategy... If you're just kind of flying blind, if you're just kind of working on random things that don't actually are not actually designed to help you make real progress, you possibly could be wasting tons and tons of practice time and not making progress. You know, a lot of us, I like to use this visualization, a lot of us, it's almost as if we are looking at a maze, right? And we're going through this maze in our jazz playing. We're weaving in and out of this maze and we are getting lost we're getting stuck in some areas and you know we're finding different avenues and we think that we're getting to the right spot and then we get stuck again and then we have to find a new way out and yes eventually we get out of the maze right we get out of there but think about how difficult that is think about how much easier it'd be if you actually had a plan like imagine like someone through the maze put a dotted red line that told you exactly where to go and got you there. So you need a practice strategy, right? So let's go over what a good practice strategy looks like. Uh, and I call this my LRC practice strategy method. Now, this is something I've talked about before in this podcast. So if this is a review, awesome. If this is new, really pay attention here. LRC, that's an acronym, and it stands for LEARN, Refine and create. Okay. Learn, refine, and create. So let's talk about just one practice strategy that I implement in some of my courses. 
it, that would be the pizza practice plan. <laughs> We're going back to pizza, right? The pizza practice plan. I've called this before the stair step practice plan, but you know, I just decided the pizza thing is is better, right? Because 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 come on, who doesn't like pizza, right? So pizza practice plan. Um, so first we have the goal. That's the pizza. We're going to eat the whole pizza. So now this could look like you're going to learn one jazz standard. Okay, awesome. We got the one jazz standard. The plan, of course, is we need to slice it up into smaller pieces because like no one takes a whole pizza and shoves it in their face, right? (laughs) They take a pizza cutter and they slice it up into smaller pieces. So let's pretend that we're slicing this up into six pieces, right? And we're just going to focus on learning the melody of the jazz standard, just to keep this simple for simplification's sake. We can make this more complicated, but let's just do that. So session number one, this is your practice session number one, or pizza slice number one, is going to be, you're going to listen to the melody of that jazz standard, right? You're going to listen to it a lot. And this could also just happen outside of like the actual time you have to practice. This could happen in the car. This could happen on your commute. This could happen while you're working around the house, whatever you want to do, but listening to it a lot. Then the second session could just simply be singing, whistling, and humming the song so that you know it very well. It proves that you've internalized it if you can do that, right? And notice you don't have to touch your instrument yet. That's still practicing what you're doing. Session number three, pizza slice number three, is you learn the first four bars on your instrument, right? And then session number four is you review the first four and then learn the second four bars of the melody. And then you review the first eight bars for session number five and learn the last four bars of the melody. I guess this is a short, you know, 12 bar blues or something here. Well, that's fine, right? Just for example. And all of a sudden, when you get to to session number six, the last pizza slice, you review the entire melody, right? Review, review. So review is something that's really important to have inside of your uh, inside of your practice routine. So let's go back to this uh, this LRC method, right? And apply it to the pizza practice plan. So first we had learn, right? So learning was, yes, listening. Yes, doing the singing and humming. Yes, learning four bars at a time. But then the re- refining part of that was actually reviewing what we did before. So that's refining, and then the final thing that we would do with this is create. Like if we were playing this jazz standard and we learned this jazz standard in entirety is we would start improvising over it, okay? So let's go to another plan that I use in one of my courses um, that is called the Recycling Jazz Practice Plan. Uh, this is a very effective practice plan. It's a little bit more complicated than the pizza practice plan. Um, and you can actually use the pizza practice plan for within this practice plan, <laughs> the recycling jazz practice plan, but it also uses the LRC method. So what this looks like is your first session, you learn new material. And then in your next session, you transpose that material to another key. So if you started in C, maybe you transpo- transpose it to F. The next practice session, you transpose it to another key. Okay, that's B flat. The next the next session you pra- you transpose it to E flat. Okay, so now all of a sudden you know this material that you learned in four keys, right? Not learning new material, just taking the same material and recycling it through different keys. And then the final stage of the plan is to create. Now this would be where you compose 
your own X amount of bars of whatever tune you're learning over top of this. So you're creating, composing is a great idea. You can improvise too, but composing is a great idea. And then you repeat that process. You learn new material, you transpose, 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 you create something. You learn new material, transpose, 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 and create. So can you see the LRC method in here? The learning was that first session where we learned new material. The refining was transposing, transposing, transposing. And then the creating was composing our own etude or our own solo over top of that, our own baseline. Fill in the blank for yourself, right? So LRC. So those are just two practice plans um, that those are the basics of those practice plans, right? Like obviously, if we were to actually apply this to a very specific context, they would make even a little bit more sense. But the pizza practice plan, the recycling jazz practice plan are all under the uh, LRC practice method. So what I would encourage you to do is think about every single time when you want to create a practice routine for yourself, think about the LRC method, right? Think about the LRC method. So let's review now. Uh, we started with our master goal, okay? Our master goal. This was our big picture vision of what we want to achieve as a jazz musician. And then we tossed everything out that didn't have to do with that musical mountaintop. Okay, then we moved on to our three pillars of jazz improvisation, technique, jazz standards, and jazz repertoire. And we tossed everything out that didn't have to do with those. Okay, then we filtered it through our jazz standards filter. We tossed everything out that we weren't applying over top of jazz standards. Okay, then we went to our fun filter. We tossed everything out that wasn't going to be done in such a way that we would have fun. So the what, what we were practicing and how we were practicing over top of the jazz standards and the other filters. We tossed everything out, right? And then we filtered it through our practice strategy, right? We took all of that stuff and we filtered it through a practice strategy that would give us some results compounding over time, right? So master goal, three pillars, jazz standards, fun filter, practice strategy equals less practice time and bigger results, okay? Less practice time, bigger results, because we're focusing on the things that actually matter to us and will get us the results faster. All right, that's all for today's show. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you take action on today's episode. Consider the five filters and start coming up with your own strategy for how you're going to start practicing with an effective plan in place that's going to help you grow even faster as a jazz musician. And like I said at the beginning of the show, hey, we'd love to help you do that in our Inner Circle membership. So if you'd like to join us and over a thousand other musicians all learning how to play jazz together, all growing together, all motivating each other, uh, we do have lots of practice plans and systems in place to make this all easy for you. Go to ljsinnercircle.com. We'd love to have you join us as a member. All right, we're going to be coming out with a great quick win episode of the podcast this Friday. Look forward to seeing you there. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.
Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.